nothing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like a, like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. Welcome into it. What is today? Tuesday? God, I keep thinking I'm a day ahead. I well, here's keep thinking your... today is Wednesday, but it's Tuesday. Look, you had a, a I don't know if tragic is too strong a word, but you had an accident. Traumatic. Right, but traumatic's a better word. And that throws a guy off. That completely throws a guy off when that happens full, right before the show starts. Full 30, you know, I got my, uh, my, wa- my hydro flask 32-ounce water bottle completely all over my desk. I tried to pick it up, and I didn't have the top secured on it all over the desk, yep. all in the computer, which I'm sure has fried the keyboard, and I've tried to wipe it up. I uh, Sorry, Loey, but you had three T-shirts on your desk I grabbed to, to wipe up the water, so hopefully you didn't need those. Have you filled out a trouble ticket yet? Because the, the wherever our engineer trouble tickets go, they're going to want to know that there was something spilled on a keyboard. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping it goes away, and this is the whole thing. We're not supposed to technically have, like, water in here or drinks in here yeah but that was at my desk now if i fry that computer terry ryan our our wonderful engineer mm-hmm. is gonna say no more no more water food anywhere in the building yeah but nobody pays attention well, terry's not. great you're terry's violating great it right now well, yeah I mean, terry's great at his job and when you need him he's there and and he's good but nobody pays attention well, to an edict not. like that nobody's gonna go oh terry said i can't have water by the keyboard so i won't have water by the keyboard I have to be on Terry's good side. I just asked him a, a favor of something that I would like him to to go do and and have us on remote. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, oh, fingers oh, crossed. Where can we talk about this yet? Well, not yet, because okay. I haven't. We All haven't. Right. We haven't nailed it down. But I will promise you, you, you in particular, will love the place. Okay, good. Because it's good. A, I want. I want to say it's an old stomping ground. Is it convenient for me? It, That's the big issue for me. It used to be more convenient, sure. but now that you, you've you've gone away and, well, convenient and lived on for the me, island. Yeah, convenient for me is anything north of here. Uh, yes. Okay, then that's fine. Yes. And I'm not opposed if we're going to go down to one of the places to, to uh, do our, our uh, uh, Guillermo Heredia interview down in Tacoma. Sure. I'm not opposed to any of those. I'm just going to say it's very inconvenient for me. I'm going to need a lot of lead time to make yeah. that work. It is day two of our free Guillermo show. Uh, yesterday uh, was day one. Today is uh, day two. Guillermo's still down in uh, Tacoma. And uh, and so we, we, we're thinking of Guillermo every single day. At least I am. He went uh, he went one for four yesterday. Yeah, down and, in Tacoma and to, uh, with to, a single. Today he's got a day off to get ready from what I'm assuming is a mid to late afternoon flight to Fresno. Yeah. Or will they wait till tomorrow to fly down to Fresno? And go in the morning. I'm not I don't sure. Are they the rainiers might fly or do they drive? Oh, they're gonna. They're gonna, it's, it's, they're gonna. I think they've. Well, Curto occasionally gets his his uh, his <laughs> Grateful Dead bus out and, and drives him <laughs> around. But no, I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, each so. show, if you're scoring at home, did not play yesterday. Mm-hmm. Day, remember, he's on the team because they're facing so many right-handers. That's right. Well, he tried one of that. He tried a lot in common with the rest of the team last night because a lot of them didn't play. Lord. I'm getting Didn't a little. See that one coming? The ass whooping on the hands of the Chicago White Sox. Here's the thing th- that happens in baseball, but I'm a little alarmed at the frequency with which it's happening to the M's. Every one of of the starting pitchers has had wow. a game where they've just been decimated in the first two innings. Here's where, oh, yeah, and then Mike Leake, the. Is the headline, is it in the paper that had the headline today, or was it online like Greg Johns' piece? Let me, let me, and I still get a hard copy of the newspaper. Yeah. Oh, this was my favorite. Whoever wrote the headline today in the Seattle Times for the Mariners story. Nice work. The headline. Right from the start, Leak was grooving. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his divish rights. Uh, oh, I can't get to the part, but he was so funny. He's like, he was throwing, divish basically was like, 
He was throwing strikes, but that was the problem for Mike Leake. Right. He was throwing everything over the middle of the plate, and yeah. he got tattooed last night. I mean, it worries me because, I mean, we saw uh, Felix get lit up one yeah. time. We saw we talked to Gonzo about it yesterday. He got lit up in San Francisco. Right. Uh, right? When in San Francisco or Kansas City? Kansas City is where Gonzo uh, got lit up. His last two starts, he is – well, the last start here at home, he was okay, but they pulled yeah. him, but he was he was teetering. There but, was a start before that. He I mean lit up, though, like, yeah, like yeah. Sparky did last night. Felix got oh. it in San Francisco. Remember, Felix just got blasted. Yep. And then Gonzo got it in Kansas City. Sparky got it in Chicago. Paxton's been lit up at some point by somebody, I think. Here, here's I'm the, a little concerned about this. Well, here's what you really should be concerned. They've had one pitcher, one pitcher complete seven innings this year. Yeah, yeah. That's, and yeah. I get it. It's we're in a we're in a different age of baseball and and all that in the bullpen. That's a concern. Mike Leake is the only one that has actually completed seven innings. Felix and Marco, the only two other pitchers that have actually Marco Gonzalez, who did in his first start to actually get into the seventh right. inning. Yeah. And keep in mind, as we, we talk again on a free Guillermo Tuesday, <laughs> this team contemplated sending down a bullpen arm yeah. to keep Ichiro on the team, and the only reason they didn't do that was because of Paxton only went four innings the other day. I, they can't afford – they need like 15 guys in the bullpen with the way these starters are going. Yeah, I don't think they contemplated that at all. I think that I think they were fun on us. Well, maybe was... they were. Then, then Scott Service and Jerry Depoto lied to the media. Well, I mean, well, I guess they they do they well, do lie. They did. They are professional liars. At that's times, right. But... That's, everybody in. I mean, well, we we have a big controversy out there at the home of the fight and seabirds oh, of Renton because somebody's not telling the truth. Here. I, I do love this story. Somebody is lying, and I think we should get to the bottom of it. I don't know how. I'm not sure. How I propose we do this. Well, but but Michael Bennett says he spent lots of last year during meetings reading books. Because yes. he was so, I'm assuming, so bored with the he's, coach's message. He's bored. And, he's and, heard the message a thousand times. And felt no need to show any kind of professionalism to the players coming up. And we heard this with uh, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman now, had said in interviews last year yeah. that, oh, you know, I've heard the Pete Carroll talk, the Kumbaya speech, and you kind of basically, you know, you tune him out. Right, but but tuning a guy out is different than saying, I'm defiant, I'm bringing a book and letting all the young players who, you know, in, in theory I'm supposed to be mentoring a little bit. Right. Uh, I'm going to let all the young players see me reading a book while the coach is talking because I'm so bored. And, and he, I'm putting some words in his mouth, but this is the this is the conclusion you it's would draw from it. And people right? are wondering, it was the uh, Greg Bishop story on Michael Bennett yeah. uh, that he wrote for Sports Illustrated that I, I guess never even made it to the magazine. I don't know if it did or not. It, it did not. Yeah. yeah, Greg said it never made it to the magazine. So yeah. I'm like, well, God, no, why not? That's a fantastic story. So and and it's weird because this happened about a week ago, and we just for whatever reason we never got around to it. We're well, busy here. On, yeah, of course, on, I got on other things to, to talk show. about. Yeah. The um then Bookgate, but but then it was brought up again yesterday because Schneider and Carroll sat down for their <laughs> big old draft preview press yeah. conference, and, and we're gonna hear from Curtis Crabtree about yes. that and get his take on all that, right? It's a, it's a special Curtis visit, and what, I don't know who asked it. Who was the 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 hard bitten Seattle oh. reporter who asked about Michael Bennett I, reading a book? I think it was the ginger Matt Calkins who just wants to get under everyone's skin. He's an I instigator. He's he an instigator, is Matt? Calkins. So he asks uh, Pete. Well, what's the deal with all this? And Pete says, look, that never happened. Right. That So either Pete is lying or Michael Bennett is and lying. And he said the same thing to Softy and Fane when he was on the other day. 
He did. Okay, yeah, so Softy asked about. Yeah, okay. But but he, but he just repeated it yesterday. But he said the, he said the same thing to Softy and Fane when they were grilling him yeah. nonstop. I missed that. I got into that interview about halfway through, and and uh, and then so so it's interesting. I don't know if it matters or much. I'm I'm not a big Bennett fan. I I thought don't a lot. Like, of, don't care for Michael. I Bennett. thought he's a big lo- beard guy. A lot of his luster really yeah. kind of fell off over the last two years for me. I'm just saying yeah. for me. Uh, and I thought this story. Look, even if this is true, saying it. Why? Even if you were so bored you yeah. bought books to meetings, why say you're, you're trying to humiliate a guy that you want a Super Bowl with? I guess with? I need to know the context of it. How did he say it? How was, yeah. it, how was it delivered to Greg Bishop? Was he being tongue-in-cheek? Was he smiling when he did it? I don't know. Fair, fair enough. And maybe if it was a joke that none of us got, then okay. But And this is hardly the only thing with him. I mean, he's had sure. a lot of, of interesting... So it leads so, us to... But it leads us to our poll question. Today. Well, yeah, we're all kind of... We're, we're dying. And, and we've already had a few people. Because, you know, we were trying to come up with four good answers. And yeah. Twitter only gives you four. This is a perfect poll question for you to comment below okay. if we missed one. Sure. Because we said, what book was Michael Bennett reading to kill time during at Seahawks meetings? <laughs> and, uh, and right now, the uh, 35% of the people who have voted at Gasman 206 say Twilight. <laughs> you know, the Great idea series? the idea that, a, that a, a book and a hit TV and movie franchise could be based in Forks, Washington. Hey. If I'd have said this to you 20 years ago, you'd be like, well, wait a minute, come on. Well, the people of Forks love it. Sure they do. Yeah, they should. The tourism industry's through the roof. How would you like to be a parent raising a kid out in Forks? And about half the kids have got to think they're vampires, right? Because <laughs> kids can't really draw the line between what's going on, fact and fiction. It keeps biting the uh, It's got to be the worst. It's just got to be real. <laughs> Hard enough raising kids anyway, and now your kid's like sucked into this or, twilight or, thing or, and thinks the they're vampires. people of Forks now just tired of people coming out there and snapping pictures and, oh. and, and asking, where are the vampires? Because I, I guarantee there's some Looney Tune fans out there oh, sure. who think vampires are real. Sure. That are going out there and asking where are the vampires and wolves. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. Uh, I'm gonna be. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. There's yeah. a few of them. Yeah, I right. Uh, I'm I'm I I I fought putting this on. Puck made me put the other choice on, and it's now second. I, I really I didn't want to talk about this because because I I'm very humble about this. Uh, but Gas's Sounders book is 28% is second. Michael Bennett was reading Sounders FC Authentic Masterpiece, which does not fit in the 25 characters that Twitter allows you for a poll question. So, yeah, was that late? Did you ever think about maybe shortening the title? Nah, because when it came to me, it was like a lightning bolt, and I'm like, that's it. Peter McLaughlin gave me the idea for the title. Okay. Not really the idea, but I kind of was, and with something he said, and I was like, okay, bang, there oh, it there is. There you go. Right, and that's second big, right now. His big contribution. How many times have you voted? Uh, I have not voted. Twenty-four uh, percent say Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Michael Bennett's into some. He's into that kind of stuff. Have you heard any interview yeah. with Michael Bennett? He likes to uh, talk dirty. And thirteen percent said Fire and Fury. <laughs> the Michael the, Wolf book. The, the, the inside story of the Trump White House. Now Tahoe <laughs> Jeff has checked in with one oh. that we should have thought of. Everybody poops. Oh, that's a good that's a one. page turner. I li- I like that one. And then Steve uh, says uh, win forever, and I mean I can't believe I didn't put that in there. Win forever was, was should have been one of the first oh, four choices, God, yes. right? How did we not get? How that? did we not get How win did we forever? Miss that I, I, Twitter needs to give us more choices and an edit button and everything. But anyway, good work, Steve uh, and Tahoe uh-huh. Jeff, and you can vote at Gasman two hundred six. And and you can follow oh. me because I'm desperate for attention, and I, I love when when people follow. I we me. should have added the one that I mentioned to you, and I can't really say it. it's written by uh, Adam Mansbach. Every parent knows exactly. Every parent where you're knows going. this book. Go yeah. to blank to sleep. Go go the blank to sleep. Right. Yeah. Go the <laughs> Chuck to sleep. Go the puck to sleep. Go every the puck to sleep. every every parent knows 
that book, and yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy that book because it's it's comical. You know, I was reading it. They have a Samuel Jackson. I don't know if we can. I think we could read it because he probably deletes it out. Samuel Jackson does a reading. I can. Of I can bleep it. Yeah, I can bleep yeah. it. But I think he. It's up on YouTube. I think he actually does a reading of the book. And that might be highly entertaining as the show goes on. It could be. As, look, let's be honest here. I don't know. Maybe you don't feel this way. This is it's, it's puck and gas, and someday it's going to be puck and somebody else. And I'm just here to kind of carry the mail for a couple of months until a bigger star is hired. But but I would Which I'm say putting it thirty nine percent. I never have I, I never have any trouble admitting. Look, if, if Samuel Jackson reading this book is better than anything we have planned, <laughs> Ryan, I say it all the time. I mean, I don't. I'm not taking a shot at you. It's just no. look, you know, what, uh, Jackson. When you were when you were gone, of course, we played a lot of music, and 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 I let the bumpers hey. go forever because I like them, and sure. I'm like this right now. This band working their asses off and delivering the goods is better than anything I've got planned for this segment. It's this is all right. It's what entertains you. That's right. Exactly. And that's, that's that's all you want. So right now, what book is Michael Bennett reading to kill time during Seahawks meetings? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go 50 Shades of Grey is going to be my vote. 50 Shades of Grey. And that's okay. at currently at 28%. You're right. Well, Twilight's I... still leading. And then the Gas Sounders book at 26. And Keith Miller checks in. Didn't Bennett write a book? Things uh, that make white people uncomfortable. Oh, is that right. his book? That's right. We could have done that. So maybe he was just doing autographs of his book, you know, to send sure. out through the website. Well, here's what I, it's so funny about the, about this story is like, and I get it. You want to set the great example. We get like let's 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 switch our gears to hard hitting sports talk right now. Okay, and uh, in a hot take. But how many meetings are people in? I mean, and this is no disrespect to oh, purple sheet, but the people that have been here forever, mm-hmm. you know, forever, you know, going on ten plus years, like Softy, myself, Fane, Furness. Like when he starts, to, I've heard like every meeting we have, I've I've heard them all. Yeah, and and so yeah, do I start looking at my phone? Yeah, I do. I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you, and I probably shouldn't, and I probably should put the phone down and give him my one hundred percent attention. That mm-hmm. that would be respectful to him, right? And I and I pro- and I'm guilty of doing that. No. But everybody in that in this office is guilty of doing that, of looking at their phone. The hell, people are texting during the meetings. Hey, did you say that? You know. So this Michael Bennett reading a book, I get your point. I mean, it's it, he needs to set an example for all of that, and maybe that's one of the reasons why he's gone. Maybe, and you and know? who? But again, either he's. I don't think it's the sole reason, but does yeah. it play a part in all of it? I guess. And it's not a big deal either way. Yeah. It's, it's it's not that big a deal. And and you know, it, it, maybe he was joking when he said it. Who knows? I don't know. You know, Pete being this defiant because because I, I find it hard to believe Pete would lie in this situation because he doesn't have to kill Bennett. He could say. Yeah, you know, I saw him reading a book once. Well, whatever, you, you know, he could have he could have just deflected well, it. He doesn't know, you know, he could have been reading a book, but he can't see Michael Bennett. Yeah, I, I guess I, I don't. He seems pretty defiant about. Yeah. It. He was not doing that, and you know, I, I think uh, I don't know. It's it's the kind of stuff we talk about yeah, around fun. here, right? Uh, coming up in the show, Curtis Crabtree is going to join us uh, next segment. A special uh, appearance from Curtis Crabtree. Uh, I'm told excited to join us twice this week uh, for appearances, not only today but also on mm-hmm. Thursday, because there is a lot. There was a I normally do not listen to the pre-draft press conference, or if I do, I don't listen intently. Mm-hmm. But yesterday I did. I'm taking the dog out for a nice, uh, nice walk around the block, old mm-hmm. Maple. As uh, she, do dogs get to a certain age at five or six, and they don't want to walk anymore? They want to smell everything in the world. They're, they're, my yeah. dogs, and I'm going to smell everything in the world, and it takes us an hour and a half to walk three blocks. Their olfactory skills are much better than ours, and, oh. and it's it's like our, the best way I can describe it, in my opinion, it's like our taste buds. Oh. A dog to sniff is like our taste buds, so yeah, they're going to be out but there all day. does it get worse as they get oh, older? Oh, yeah, yeah, because they, they start realizing the more I sniff, the longer the outside time lasts. I guess, but, I, but then I feel guilty, like she's 
sniffing for an hour. I'm like, let's go. Well, mm-hmm. Let's walk a little yeah. bit. And then I'm like, I mean, if someone saw me, I'm like dragging her. Let's yeah, right. go. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. abusing his dog yeah. over there. <laughs> so I'm listening. I'm listening to the press conference yesterday. I would say fairly meaty. I thought there was some great stuff well, and some honest stuff from both Schneider and Carol Curtis. Crabtree will join us next to uh, break that down. Brad Adam, uh, thanks to John Howie Steak, joins us at 11 o'clock as well. Now back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. Oh, this is a, a perfect song and a perfect uh, group to lead into our next guest, Curtis Crabtree, who will join us here. The Beacon Plumbing Hotline. The uh, lineup is out for the Los Marineros. Their game later today. And remember, they're facing all these right-handers, and that's why Ichiro had to be on the team, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, ben Gamble is starting in left field, not Ichiro. But remember, we needed the left-hand bat of Ichiro because of all the right-handers uh, that they were facing. Uh, joining us on the Beacon <laughs> Plumbing Hotline, his favorite group of all time, would be in WA. Uh, Curtis Crabtree joins us. A special visit from Curtis. He, uh, he, he, he tried to get out of it, but he's going to join us on Thursday as well. Uh, Curtis, how are you, buddy? I'm good. What's going on, Buck? Uh, well, no. Everything's going on. we got draft week. Are you excited for, for draft week? I know you get into this stuff. Yeah, it's always a, a, an interesting one just because all of a sudden there's you know a half dozen or more new players on the team you have to get to know. And so it's uh, – it's always entertaining in that regard, for sure. Uh, Curtis, I thought yesterday, we, I was joking with Gas, I normally kind of, I mean, I obviously listen to this pre-draft press conference they have every year. It's, a, it's our job, obviously, to listen to it. But, I, you know, they don't really usually say much in it. They don't give anything away, and why would they? Schneider's not going to tell you, yeah, we're going to take this guy at 18, and this is what we're going to do in the fourth round, in the fifth round. I, I don't know about you. I, I felt this was the most the most honest they have ever been. And I thought they kind of shed some light on their thinking here in the last few months with a lot of decisions they made. Yeah, I think they did as well. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to get um, the sort of response they did from John Schneider to the question that I asked him to open the press conference about things that they're changing. And, you know, he kind of hinted, hinted right out of the gate that they have, you know, pared their draft board down to a smaller number of, uh, prospects that they have up there, and basically he said that they're making less excuses for players to be on their draft board right now, and you know that was interesting to me. A uh, little bit different, sort of. You know, that's you know some pretty pretty significant insight into how they're handling the, the draft process. Now he's not going to tell us how many players are up there or who those players are, but sim- simply the way I read into it was the fact that they were finding, you know, guys that, you know, may have a medical issue from the past that they've decided, you know, this guy's really talented, he needs to stay up there. They're scratching them off the board. Guys with character issues, they're scratching them off the board to where they're going to have a smaller smaller uh, pot of guys to potentially select from that they feel like really fit everything they want to do. And so, um, yeah, I thought that that was quite quite an interesting sort of revelation. There's there's some obvious answers to this, Curtis, but I'm interested in your answer. What 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 brought this about? They've had almost, I would call it a Father Flanagan complex over the years. We'll take anybody and we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. turn him into a man and make him a great football player. It doesn't matter what his past was. Almost like what the, we used to think of with the Raiders in Al Davis's heyday. This does sound like kind of a change in philosophy. Is, is it as obvious as the McDowell thing? What, what do you think triggered this? Well, I mean, they didn't invoke Malik McDowell in, in discussing these decisions 
uh, yesterday. They didn't say that that was the cause, but you can't help but assume that it's part of the equation, mm. given the circumstances that have you know, transpired over the last um, 10 months or so since McDowell got injured in that accident. So, um, you know, I think you look at McDowell, I think you look at, um, you know, guys, you know, a guy like Jesse Williams, for instance, who had the, the, the knee issues at Alabama and they decided to select him in the fifth round. And obviously that didn't end up working out because he continued to be injured throughout most of his time with Seattle. Um, you know, stuff like that, I think, is some of the things I'd, I'd initially point to to say uh, those are probably the scenarios they're talking about. You know, they, they've had two draft picks now over the last four or five years or so that potentially will never even see the practice field with them. You know, Garrett Scott had a heart condition that um, showed up for them after they drafted him, and he never never took part in a practice with them either. So um, if McDowell ultimately doesn't end up playing either, which certainly seems to be the case, um, that would be two of their draft picks over the last several years that have been able, unable to, to even take part in a training camp practice with them. So, um, you know, the Scott one was more circumstance. That was just kind of something that sprung up on him afterwards. McDowell's um, was a certainly a little bit different situation, but nevertheless, that's basically what's happened. Yeah, I mean, I think you didn't have to read too much into it. I, I thought when they gave that answer and they talked about, you know, being aware of, you know, I thought it was. I think it was Schneider that said it. You know, being aware of the red flags. That I thought for the first time he kind of acknowledged. I think to you guys and to everyone. You know, we kind of pushed aside some of those red flags because we liked the player so much. We thought the upside of the player was was outweighed whatever his red flags were. And I think that was directly, I think, a commentary on McDowell. I mean, what was the first thing they said, Curtis? You remember this. The first thing they said when they drafted Malik McDowell. This is someone we've been searching for since the day we got here in Seattle. And I think mm-hmm. they, they, they fell in love with Malik McDowell so much, they didn't look at the glaring red flags that were, you know, they didn't know that he was going to drive an ATV and injure himself. But the immaturity issues, not giving full effort on the field, that it leads to poor decisions off the field, and that's exactly what happened with McDowell. I, I thought it was a very honest moment by by John Schneider yesterday to just say, you know what, I, I've I've looked past a lot of these red flags because I I like the player so much. Yeah, I, I think I think it's tough to correlate some of the football related issues that Malik McDowell had at Michigan State and to act like there was any way they could foresee that he was going to injure himself in an ATV accident. I think conflating that can be a little bit diff- too much of a, a leap to make, but obviously it's what happened. And, you know, for better or for worse, you know, it's caused them, I think, to, to reevaluate some of the things they've gone through. And I thought one of the telling comments that Shiner and Carol kind of alluded to yesterday was the simple fact that, you know, their scouts grind on putting together reports and getting to know these players over 10, 11 months uh, of the year to, to get ready for the draft at some point. And ultimately, you know, I think they respected the work put in a little bit too much is the way they kind of phrased mm-hmm. it to where they'd keep a guy alive, keep him up on the draft board when they probably should have, should have scratched him. And in the past case, kind of as a, you know, a nod to the work that the, the scouts have done to, to evaluate them and get to know them and all of those sort of things. But now I think they're, they're drawing a line a little bit tighter on the sort of guys that will populate the draft board. And not that, you know, you're not going to have somebody 
uh, with, you know, issues at some point in time get drafted by this team because I think, you know, it's a, it's a value equation that every team makes out there regarding the players they're willing to select and, and, and have on their roster. But certainly they're trying to get to the point where it's not going to have as many little issues pop up as they've had over the last few years. Makes me wonder if they'd have Frank Clark on their board if he was coming out this year. I mean, they took a big chance on him a few years ago, and then there. This is the, this is a, an example of a guy who would have fallen into this category, uh, and and I, I wonder if if they would, you know, still use that pick on him. It's a good question. I don't know. Um, I do know at the time they said that they put every resource that they had into trying to figure out what happened in his situation back. Uh, back in college and said that, you know, they would, you know, because Schneider had said to us in years past that they would not select somebody in the draft that had an altercation with a woman. And then obviously they draft Frank Clark and your eyebrows raised to the roof at that point in time, given the the reports of what had happened. And so they were, they were pretty adamant that they felt like, you know, whatever had been reported to have happened didn't occur which is why they felt comfortable selecting him. So if they didn't think it happened, then you probably, I don't know how much that would affect whether they had him on the board or not, but certainly it's something to question for sure, um, given the fact of what they said yesterday, whether that would be a case where they would have taken him off the board. The great Curtis Crabtree joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Of course, our Seahawks reporter. You can follow uh, Curtis on Twitter, at Curtis underscore Crabtree, all Seahawks news, all Mariner news, all draft news. Uh, follow him uh, today. And he'll even give you some uh, Formula One advice and maybe a, a, a swing plane advice as well if you ask him on Twitter. Um, I wonder if, if they would be truthful, getting just you know, highlighting McDowell and then Frank Clark for a second. Is a Frank Clark red flag, and I'm not excusing what happened, what transpired in that hotel or that motel, if that's a less of a concern for them, as opposed to McDowell, because McDowell's red flag was he's lazy on the field. He doesn't give effort. And I wonder if you could get, if they were truthful, what's more concerning to them? I, I would think for just a pure football evaluation, the guy who's not giving maximum effort would probably be the red flag they'd be more concerned about. Well, it's, it's tough to say. Like, for instance, if if the allegations against a player was like the current allegations against Reuben Foster, just for the sake of argument, that might be a difficult leap to try to accept at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, I think it's all kind of a value equation and how much you want to weight different aspects and that sort of thing. Certainly when you look at it from, from just a pure football standpoint, if somebody doesn't really care about the game as much or that at least that was sort of the 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 rumblings about McDowell that was out there was that you know it wasn't something he loved and was truly die hard over you know that's something that will obviously raise an eyebrow during the process as well um you know it reminds me a little bit of Eric Bedard who certainly did not love baseball that much when he was with the Mariners uh he just did it because he was really good at it um I, I don't know how much of that McDowell was or whatever the case may be, but I mean, every, every flag you would flag a guy with is different. Like I said, whether it's the, the knee issues that Jesse Williams had, whether it's, um, you know, the, the reported domestic incident Frank Clark had, whether it's the, you know, supposed lack of co- uh, commitment and effort that Malik McDowell had, that they, they're, they're all different parts of the puzzle. No one, no, 
no two people are going to be the same in how you evaluate them. Um, and so you, you got to figure out how much of each category you're willing to be okay with. Uh, Curtis, what's the Earl Thomas meter reading as of this morning? I saw where story that uh, one rumor that the Cowboys have decided we're just going to back off and wait. He wants to come here. We'll get him as a free agent. Pete's saying he has no problem with him skipping the workouts. Uh, what, what's your, what's your uh, significantly smaller than we first met Curtis Crabtree gut tell you about, uh, about where Earl Thomas is going to be in a few days? Well, the fact that Schneider said last week that, um, you know, that his representatives have told them that Earl's not going to hold out, I think is a significant piece of the puzzle um, because I think they want Earl to be there with them when they get training camp going at the end of July. I don't think they care as much whether he's there throughout the OTAs and such, but when training camp gets going, they're going to want him there. And I think, you know, part of the idea of trading him would be partly to get ahead of that. Kind of like, you know, take Dwayne Brown's situation with Houston last year where he held out throughout training camp, held out throughout the first six weeks of the season or so, then finally came in to play for him for a couple weeks. They don't want a situation like that with Earl to come along, which is, you know, part of the reason I think you explored the idea of a trade situation. Um, And not that it's completely off the table. I don't think if they got the right offer, again, there's a price for every player. Russell Wilson's got a, a, you know, there's a, some threshold where they'd be okay with trading Russell Wilson too. Um, you'd never, you're probably never going to get that offer, but there would be a threshold where it would make sense. And same thing with Earl here. They're not going to give him away, and it seems increasingly less likely that they're going to get the sort of offer they want for him at this point in time. But I don't think you can completely rule it out either until after you get a little bit into the draft this weekend. Curtis, why do you think they won't just shut the door on Kaepernick? Why does he keep leaving it open? Does anyone in their right mind in this city think that Colin Kaepernick's going to come here and be a backup quarterback after they just re-signed Austin Davis? Um, I don't know. Uh, there's there's no there's no real need for them. The reason they have quarterbacks on the roster right now is so that they can practice. Like, the simple fact that during OTAs, they have to have guys who can throw the football to receivers and take snaps to hand off to running backs. You need yeah, the have a Davis body is, out there. But Davis isn't a camp arm. I mean, that's Stephen Morris is a camp arm. No. Not Austin Stephen Davis. Morris could simply be a camp out. But there's no reason that they couldn't swap out veterans at some point in, in, the, decision, in, in the process either. Where they have, uh, you know, hypothetically, if they have Morris handle the stuff that they want him to handle through this portion of the offseason – and then have a Kaepernick come in to compete with Austin Davis for the backup job. You could certainly see that happen. Whether, you know, look back to when they had Matt Flynn, Tavares Jackson, and Russell Wilson all on the roster. They've had a situation like that before. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, look, Kaepernick is still a talented quarterback. The question is, how much does he want to play football? Uh, I don't know. I think it's tough to say and really gauge that. I think that's part of the process they're trying to figure out on their own as well. Um, and how and, and how much he would fit into the pie. I, I don't know why they haven't closed the door on it per se. It's also tough to imagine him getting a job in the NFL when he's suing the league, you know, in some regards. But um, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not an easy situation to try to weed through and figure out where everybody's coming from on it for sure. You got a golf course on mind? For today, you're gonna play a little, play a little uh, golf, chase a little white ball around. 
No, I, I don't, but you know, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that could happen at some point. That's a Schneider answer there. That yeah. was an absolute, why yeah. won't you rule out not playing golf? Yeah, go play golf. I mean, if I were you, you got nothing else to going on today. The draft's a few days away. Go Soft, the- softly said, that's what NFL guys do. They go yeah. play golf today and tomorrow to clear their heads before the big push. Come on, Curtis. You go hit well, the white I ball. guess I got to go then. There you go. <laughs> boy. All right, golf extraordinaire, Formula One fanatic Curtis Crabtree joining us. Thanks, Curtis. We'll talk to you Thursday. All right, see you guys. All right, there he is. Curtis Crabtree, our 950 KJR reporter, joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. I love the uh, the Carol quote on, uh, on uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, where is it at? We're aware of him. He's a fine foot. I'll just stop. There. You can just stop there. We're aware of him. It'd be funnier if he said, "Who?" He's a fine football player, and there may be a place for him. We're not sure about where that fits just yet. Well, he's a—he knows he's a quarterback, right? I think, I think he does. He's a backup quarterback. You—if that's the fit, Pete. If you want him, he's a backup quarterback. Crab cake, put it in there. It, it, why? Why shut the door? You don't have to. So why? And then and maybe now now ever sign him ever. Okay, do you want me to get into, into some NFL skullduggery with you? Yeah. Since in fact he is suing them alleging collusion, maybe the league has told teams, look, don't say you've you've closed the door on cat whatever you do. Because they were one of the don't teams say that. I believe Carroll and maybe Schneider, I think they were one of the teams yeah. deposed to have to talk. So you right. maybe, uh, there you that's, go. That's as simple as the NFL saying, look, whatever you don't do. Don't say that we're not bringing him in. Ah, we're there thinking about it, sure. See, why would we close the door? Thanks, Perry Mason. I'm here. I'm here for you. Uh, Let me know. The Seahawks draft, how important is it? Well, it, it has not been good. I don't know if people are aware of these numbers, uh, but they're terrible. Uh, Bob Condota did a great job in the uh, the Sunday paper uh, detailing that. We'll go over some of the draft past drafts under uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll. Learn more. Now back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. Woo! Fucking gas live in the Carter Volkswagen studio. Pearl Jam brings us in here. Uh, the the drafts like under old Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Now in the beginning they were great. The first three years. Oh yeah. 10, 11, 12 were unbelievable. Uh, great drafts. Now the last two we can't evaluate the last two years yet because I mean they're not they're not getting rid of anyone yet really mm-hmm. from last year's draft or even two years ago. But man, Bob Condota and I'm gonna and. For our draft coverage this week, I will cite this article a lot. Come starting on Thursday. Are, are, are we allowed to cite the Times because they're not allowed uh, yeah. to recognize us? I right? know, and maybe I shouldn't cite them, but I. Will. Oh, I, I like the. Whatever. You look the Times. They're, they're fine no, people. I got no quarrel with no Bob Condota. My quarrels with Frank Bluffin. I stole a Times picture yesterday for a tweet, and I credited them, and yeah. I put on there, "We love you," because I, I yeah. want them to know that it feels like. Hey. Uh, you know, these are these are dark, dangerous times. I'll break bread with Frank Blethen if it can get me Ryan Divish back. Would you? Would you really? Yeah, I would. I even know he's a dog killer. I'll get him. Say, don't don't bring Maple. <laughs> Leave Maple home under lock and key because he'll put a he'll put a slug in Maple as soon as look at her. What? <laughs> you didn't you didn't pick up her poop right away? <laughs> um, I love Divish. I'll do anything to get Ryan Divish back in my life. Now he's not he's not removed from my life, but I want my on air relationship. I want to date him on air again. When you and Divish talk, do you do it clandestinely? Is it is it like a, a is it like Carrie Matheson? Uh, like where you're meeting people that you know you're you know you're not supposed to be meeting with, but so you do it out on a well, dock. I do it on Twitter, and I know that it makes him uncomfortable when I really do it on Twitter a lot with him. Because yeah. not that he can't engage with mm-hmm. us, but. 
I think he's a little bit more reserved, and I like to throw like pressing little like I like to needle him about the paper, well, and, and and we don't want to you know we don't need to get any of them jammed no, up. No, I don't things. want any of those guys to lose a job or get in trouble. I don't want Stony or Condota. Calkins, we I can get Calkins in trouble. That's fine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what do we care? Uh, I love I love Matty the what, Canadian. I'll get him in trouble. What what about uh, what? Is, so it's it's interesting, isn't it, when you talk about these like spy yeah. thrillers and stuff? I always wonder if there's secret meetings going on on the docks of Seattle. So do I. All because the time, every spy show that you and I yes. love, every espionage every you know kind of mystery thing that we watch whenever oh. something weird's going down it's at the end of a dock and there's I've, never anybody there i've always wanted to know um how many bodies are in the port over here oh yeah that, that have been thrown with a rope around them and, and, and some weights thrown at the bottom of the of the ocean or that, bottom yeah. of the sound i've have, always wondered that have you caught up on homeland yet did you get to watch no, this week? okay done all right it. all right good because we, we have another we Give have another one more day we have another hole in the plot that i'd like to run by you okay. to see if you think this because i think it's this year, I think, has been just okay, and yeah. I can sum up my critique of this year with three words. Too much Franny. Uh, well, I'm glad she's out. Is she in this one? Oh, no, no. Hopefully out and hopefully Listen, gone forever. You know, I've I, never I, wished a, a disease or something for a little child, but with Franny... <laughs> well, Franny's if, a character, if, so it's okay. It's if, not the same. If, if Franny got something where she was no longer with us on the yeah. show, I yeah. would be okay with that. How about... I'll get caught up tonight. The Warriors are in Spurs are at 7.30. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's done by about 8.30. Yeah, right. Okay, so right, then I yeah. can maybe uh, concentrate on Homeland. Yeah. Let, let me go. I want the Seahawks draft, and and Condota did great work on this one. And uh, I mean, you can anyone can find this, but Bob just put it in a nice article in the in the paper the other day, and I thought it was great. The 13, 14, and fifteen drafts horrendous mm-hmm. for this organization. Do you know from the two thousand thirteen draft, these guys should still be on the team? Any of them? Any of the draft picks on None the team? None of them. How many did they have? Six, seven picks. They had that eleven year? picks that year. Eleven picks, not and not one, one of them's on the team. Not one player is left from the 2013 draft. This is a group of guys who are 27 years old. They yeah. are right in the prime of their NFL prime careers. of their careers. So then, not wow. one of them's left there. Oh, the 2014 man. draft. How many guys did they draft? They had drafted nine. How many think remain on the roster? I gotta think a couple. One. No, on the Seahawks roster or on, an, on the on Seahawks, the Seahawks roster? roster? Got it, got it. One. One. So, so let's go Justin, back again. Your starting center, Justin Britt, is the only player remaining from the 2014 draft. So 20 picks over two years, one guy? Oh, it gets worse. How about 2015? You had eight picks in 2015. Well, Clark is still around. Clark and Tyler Lockett. That's it. How many picks do they have? Eight? Eight. So, so 28 picks over three years, and, and there's... Three. Oh, my God. Think I how bad that is. I didn't and know I get bad. where they're selecting. And l- listen, they used, what, 13? You're using a first-round pick. You traded out because that's for Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. So you have to add some context here. 15 is Jimmy Graham mm-hmm. that you're using a, a pick on. So, okay. I, well. But that's alarming. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. I mean, th- these are the players in those drafts that should be now, as you mentioned earlier, kind of the prime of their careers, ready to take that next step. And they, they got they got nothing. Yeah, well, and the Graham thing, I mean, I won't even give him credit on that because I know what, the, I mean, sure. as I've said before, no one will ever be able to explain that trade to me. And I didn't like it the day before, the day of, or the day after. Yeah. To get rid of a guy with Unger's capability who is still starting, to bring in a guy that you didn't know how to use, it, it really, I mean, throw that as part of this indictment sure. about, hey, wait a minute. what? Well, throw in Harvin. Yeah. Harvin yeah. didn't <laughs> help true. you do anything to right. win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then I'll give you 2016. All right, they drafted 10 players. Seven of them are still left. Are any of them good? Uh, Jermaine Effetti, they they want to replace him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaron Reed's good. C.J. Procise can't stay healthy. Nick Vanette's a guy. Reese Odiambo's a guy. And Quentin Jefferson is a guy. And Joey Hunt is a five foot six center. 
So you're saying no. So that draft sucks. Wow. I mean, think about that. I mean, and, and then I guess last year, and then last year, so 10 of the 11 are on the roster still, right? But that included Malik McDowell. I mean, I right. make an argument. The last five drafts have been a turd. Yeah, yeah, well, look, and, and what's happened? They've yeah. been on a little bit of a downslide, you know and they're who, trying to re- recoup that. You know who's not a turd? Well, Brad, Brad yeah. Adams, not a turd. Among many things, he's not. And uh, he will join us coming up next for his weekly visit, thanks to uh, John Howie Steak. Now, it's an off day for Brad. So an off day for Brad, and it's 70 degrees in uh, the Seattle. We're going to find Brad most likely on a golf course.